Hello, everyone. My name is Dr. Corey Emanuel, and you are now listening to Tough Talks. Welcome. My name is Kisha Edwards-Ganzi. Thank you for joining us. Um, I'm the co-founder of World Explorers Group, and you're here for another Tough Talk Tuesday. Joining me this evening is Dr. Corey Emanuel, a media psychologist and a marriage and family therapist, Ms. Stephanie Scott. She's joining us again. You, she was here on a prior Tough Talk Tuesday with us, and we're happy to have you back, Stephanie. Tonight, we're going to be discussing religion, of all things, at very, very Tough Talk, um, faith and freedom, how to talk to our children about differences in spirituality and faith. Um, I'm really excited to dig into this because I... This is one of those topics that I feel like is very polarizing for us on family levels, on political levels, on geographical levels. So we can really dig into this and find out how we can support our children and our families in these discussions at home around religion and politics um, of religion in our in our household. So Dr. Corey, Stephanie, I'm, I'm hoping that you can share some text with us and your perspectives on all these things. Dr. Corey, I'm gonna pass it over to you. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you so much. So glad You're to welcome. be back with the uh, World Explorers family. Um, so glad to have Stephanie back with us as well. I know we'll have some great conversations with her. Um, so yes, as you all know, we're here to, to really dig into how to talk to your kids about faith and spirituality. Um, you know, I always like to kind of start with the question of, you know, what brings you here today, right? I know that everybody has sort of different motives, um, different needs for why they come to these tough talks. So I tried to break it up into some individual buckets uh, as a lens for us to look through. So one of the reasons why you might have came tonight is you have the question of how soon should I begin talking to my kids about spirituality, right? Um, another one may be how crucial is a faith practice for my child. And then third, I don't practice spirituality, but my child is curious. So tonight between myself and Stephanie and, and Keisha and everyone, I sure, I'm sure we'll be able to address some of these uh, questions and concerns. Um, I always like to start, start a little bit with, you know, what do we know? Um, what does the research say about spirituality, religion, and faith? So one of the things that we know that spirituality and religiousness are linked to happiness. Uh, we also know that spirituality refers to an inner belief system that a person relies on for strength and comfort. Whereas religiousness refers to institutional religious rituals, practices, and beliefs. Um, we also know or have found that middle school students who attended church on a regular basis and students who rated themselves as being spiritual reported fewer depressive symptoms than those who did not. Uh, we also know that most studies that have been done to date um, assess Christian faith, and there is really no single widely accepted test of spirituality. Um, on the sort of flip side of that, we also have to talk about some of the uh, negative or bad uh, religious, um, you know, things that we found in our research. We do know that religion may amplify suicide risk in certain individuals who experience negative religious coping, um, which may include deferring all responsibility to God, uh, feeling abandoned by God, blaming God for difficulties, experiencing spiritual tension or doubt or guilt. 
um, also experiencing conflict and struggle with God. So I bring this up because one of the things we have to do as we begin to talk to our kids about faith and religion and spirituality is also assess our own relationship with faith and spirituality, right? So these are some things to think about as well as the effects that um, religion may have on our kids. Uh, we do know that religion may not be as protective against suicide for certain individuals that are less accepted by their own religious community. Um, examples, of course, are mental illnesses as well as those from the LGBTQ plus community. Uh, lastly, for some individuals, increased religious activity, such as praying more frequently, may be a response to increased emotional distress or distress rather, and not necessarily a productive coping method. So as we get into, you know, how we sort of uh, lean into different faith practices, I think it's, it's also good to sort of consider, well, what, how do we use faith and religions, uh, religion rather for uh, coping, right, to deal with everyday issues that are happening in our lives. Um, I also always like to sort of think about this uh, topic through the lens of when is it appropriate to talk to our kids about faith and spirituality according to age. So James Fowler, uh, a religion uh, professor and researcher, developed what's called the stages of faith to help us sort of think more about the process of how we develop human faith. And so these are the six stages according to age. So stage one, so our, our really young children, um, they come into it through a lens of sort of intuitive projective faith. And what that means is they're still very much influenced by their comprehensive role models, which is, you know, parents, people in their immediate family that, that, that influence their moods and attitudes. So those early years are really influenced by our immediate community. Um, as we advance in age, a little bit older, like seven to 12 years old, we come into what we call more mythic literal faith. This is where, you know, as kids are being introduced to the stories of the Bible, um, they start to take on those stories as their own. So less influenced uh, by, by parents, but still much, very uh, much a part of their influence. Then stage three is called synthetic conventional faith. And we'll talk more about that in a moment, but this is really where uh, kids start to, or adolescents start to conform a little bit more, right? And they, they're kind of in the middle or in limbo of developing their own faith. Uh, stage four is more individual. This is, you know, as we sort of come out of college and we've had more life experiences, we can sort of reflect on our life as a whole and come more into our own thoughts on faith. Um, stage five is conjunctive faith. This is sort of where I am now, right? My age range where, you know, you've lived a little, right? And you've had some different real life experiences. You've lost people, you know, maybe you've had some financial challenges, right? So you, you really have a, a very unique experience with faith that's more of your own at that point. And then finally, stage six is more of what we call universalizing faith. Uh, this is, you know, some of our parents and, and, and um, those who have lived even longer than myself, you know, they're, they're able to have experiences with people from different walks of life and, you know, hold less judgment and, you know, people that come from different traditions. So this is like the big sort of lifespan, if you will, of how we come into human faith. 
Um, I said a moment ago that we would, you know, talked for just a moment about stage three, because this is sort of the sweet spot, if you will, as we think about our, our adolescence. So once they come out of those early years where we as parents are really influencing them, by this point, they're sort of coming to, into some of their own ideas, their own theories. They're having conversations with people from all walks of life, their peers, about their own traditional backgrounds. Um, so we call this synthetic, so synergy, if you will. Uh, this is where faith is tuned to others' ex expectations and judgments. Um, they're not always sure, you know, if they can grasp, uh, you know, faith through their own sort of experience yet. Um, and so there, there, there is some influence happening there and they're just unsure at that point, right? And so I think it's important to highlight this particular stage because I know that this stage could be scary for some parents. Um, so the big question, of course, I think most people probably have is how do we foster a sense of spiritual independence in our children? And the most simple an answer to that is that it's a journey, which has been a theme for all of our tough talks that we've had this year. Um, I thought it would be uh, good to just pivot for just a quick moment and hear from some actual parents that are sort of wrestling with or trying to figure out how to integrate different spiritual practices into their children's lives. So I learned how to meditate when I was nine. My parents never forced my brother or I to meditate. We wanted to meditate because when my parents started meditating, they became happier, nicer people. So before they started meditating, my dad um, basically drank a lot, smoked a lot, was totally stressed out and miserable. I mean, there was a period in their yes. lives where they were not meditating. Yeah, before I was nine. Oh, I see. He was just, he hated life. And then he discovered meditation. And when he discovered meditation, um, my mom learned, we learned, his brother learned, my mom's sister learned. And there was a dramatic difference in our family life from pre-meditation okay. to post my dad was much more involved. We were much more happy. So my brother and I wanted to meditate because our family became happier when this practice came into our lives. Because you saw the benefits like firsthand. Like, yeah. Right there. yeah. So now with my kids, honestly speaking, I don't meditate every day. Um, my oh, no, is no, no, so funny. <laughs> and again, Tara, my daughter is too funny. She's like, so before she has a test or something anxious, she'll actually be she's very melodramatic. She'll actually do... <laughs> And she like uses no, her breath to go in. My yeah. son, and when they start testing very early in public school, they time spelling tests. And so we had to come up with a plan to like settle him. And so we do this whole ritual before testing where he runs around the house for five minutes and we say we get all yeah, and, and then he sits and he takes a breath and he starts to test and it totally works. Well, and that's a form of mindfulness because I think what we do in that sense is we teach our kids that this is your reaction to something that's happening to you every day. And so you're going to have to build in a response that works for you. Lead by example. So the more that our kids can see I mean, all three of us are very stretched, um, you know, probably stressed and screaming a lot. I know in my house. <laughs> um, in yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and so again, even in those moments, if I can, by example, show my kids that I have a tool 
to get grounded and centered again. Yeah. I think then we're teaching them as well. It was it's so funny that we're talking about spirituality on a show where I actually got to meet Deepak Chopra. Um, <laughs> because I mean, like it's I just feel like I was talking to someone who actually wrote the book on spirituality. He's really, really charismatic. And I felt even in that brief exchange that we had with him, like I actually felt like I learned something. So Good. I know, so it was really great. So why don't we uh, take a look at it? Morning. So in this episode, we're talking about what is spirituality and how do we teach our children about spirituality? I mean, if I want to learn about spirituality, I don't go to a church, I play with children. You taught Tara and Lila how to meditate. That's right. That's your, your daughter's old. Tara is mm. 10 and Lila is eight, but they learned when they were about five years old each. So come on. Um, yeah. Ooh. No, I'm laughing. I have a nine-year-old boy. I don't know how he sits still long enough to mm. meditate. But, yeah. You know, but I don't have Deepak for dad. Yeah, but in the beginning, at five years, you just tell them to keep quiet for five minutes. <laughs> yeah. I meditate with my children all the time. Six years, six minutes. Seven years, seven minutes. In the ten years, you can teach them a formal technique. So here's my acronym, which I teach to kids, but also to adults. And it's the acronym is STOP, so S stands for STOP, and T stands for take three deep breaths. Three deep breaths, then observe your body smiling everywhere, and then proceed naturally. Well, thank you so much for coming today. It was really exciting to hear about spirituality from Deepak Chopra. I'm sorry. <laughs> it's very exciting for me. So having tools, I think, is something that I learned in my life. But we have the power as parents to shape our children's future. Absolutely. And um, spirituality is a very important part of that. Right. And even if you start with just a basic, simple meditation, just five minutes focusing on the breath, you're already going to come out ahead uh, of my family. So, so many amazing things, I think, uh, that came up in that video. And we can certainly talk about that during the, the Q&A. But I just wanted to take for a moment and just highlight how one, this is an opportunity to maybe think outside of the box. I know one of the buckets that I presented was perhaps you are watching this tough talk and you're thinking, I don't have a spiritual practice. Um, I think what was highlighted in that video is that, you know, we're all dealing with very real life issues. So whether you call, you know, it source or God or whatever have you, uh, there needs to be some type of grounding. Uh, method that you and your kids and your family has to just deal with life, right? And so they talk a lot about that. And uh, I just think it's great to, to hear from someone like Deepak Chopra, who actually works with kids and, and has sort of gone through all the many phases with his kids and even into his adult life with finding practices that, that make sense for him and his family. Um, as I've said, the big theme here is that it's a journey. Um, and I think as we think about it as a journey, we have to think about the fact that we're not sort of mandating or requiring our children to do uh, spirituality a certain way, right? That you should believe this and you should believe that, but inviting them into the space of really figuring out what makes sense for you and, and in your heart and in your spirit, right? Uh, so for example, uh, I think it's good to think about your own journey, right? As we think about being a part of our, our children's journey. And I know that as I was growing up, particularly, you know, sometimes you're sort of given religious beliefs, right? Uh, and, and we call that indoctrination 
education. Um, and so I think we have to pause and ask ourselves, were you given religious beliefs or were you sort of encouraged to sort of discover different faith practices and come to your own spiritual practice, right? I think that's what we want to invite into our children's life. Uh, some very organic, natural things that are gonna be happening, particularly, uh, particularly in our younger children's life is they're gonna be having conversations at school. Maybe they'll go to church with a friend or something. And so you can use those moments of, of just general questions things that might be happening. I think Christmas time is such a great opportunity, Thanksgiving as well, where questions are gonna come up and you can talk about how different people celebrate Thanksgiving, celebrate Christmas through a, a faith lens. So, you know, through symbols and things that you might be seeing as you're out and about. Tone of neutrality is so, so, so important. Again, going back to, we are not on this tough talk tonight to say, well, this is the way that religion or spirituality should show up in your home. Uh, but we want you to encourage you to remain neutral, whether or not you have a spiritual practice or not, so that you foster that type of openness within you know, your, your own lifestyle with your kids. So neutrality is a major thing. Uh, one thing I just want to call out, too, is that we know you want to guide and shape your child. Every parent or guardian wants to do, to do that. Uh, but also you are aware that letting your child become their own person is just as important. So with that being said, the goal is balance, right? We want to balance between guidance, right? Being there for support, being there to answer their questions, but also giving them some freedom to discover what works for them in their own faith. All right, you know what was coming, some do's and don'ts, right? We'll start with the don'ts. Uh, don't prevent your child from pursuing their own spiritual practices, right? You may have never meditated a day in your life, and that is okay. If your child says, mom, dad, grandma, I would love to start meditating. I think it would help me with school. I, I get anxiety a lot encourage that, create space for that, do your own research for what that looks like and be able to provide some guidance even in the things that you may not be doing um, individually. Uh, don't belittle or ridicule your child's expression of faith. Um, again, going back to my original statement about you have your own individual journey. Um, I talk with people all the time um, in, my, in my line of work that have had some really bad church experiences, right? Um, trauma even. Uh, as it relates to the church. But still with that, you need to be honest. You can be transparent, you know, when you feel they're at the appropriate age about your own experiences, but try not to, uh, you know, uh, down uh, their, their motivation, if you will, to, to find their own faith practice based on your own journey. Uh, don't let your urge to control your child be stronger than the urge to let them unfold on their own. All right, and then of course some do's, uh, talk and listen, right? That's, that's what this is all about, having a series of talks, not one individual talk. Uh, we do know that parents who talk with and listen to their child in a way that invites an open discussion about faith and spirituality can help them feel loved and supported, right? Uh, provide support, parents who take time to come to terms with how they feel about their own faith and spirituality will be more able to respond calmly and neutrally. 
right? And then being proactive, right? As, as we've seen in the video, and I'm sure as we'll talk about more in the Q&A, there really is no one age in which kids begin asking questions, right? So just being proactive, getting ahead of the curve, sort of figuring out your own individual place with faith will go a long way as you start having conversations with your, with your kids. Um, I always like to also share, you know, how important it is to invite some of the media uh, into some of these conversations so that you're not doing all that heavy lifting by yourself. Uh, Common Sense Media does a great job of providing resources for parents um, as it relates to media. So you can actually go to commonsensemedia.org and actually look at, you know, movies uh, that are faith-based and they're, they're not all necessarily Christian if that is a concern of yours, uh, but lots of really great, you know, blockbuster movies, if you will, to be able to invite a conversation in um, with your kids about faith. And as you know, I always like to sort of leave you with a challenge before we pivot. And so that is what recent life event, you know, it could be something personal that maybe you're dealing with, something that's come up with in school or in the community, you know, could you pull from to begin a conversation with your child about faith and spirituality today? All right, so with that, I will turn it over to Ms. Keisha. All right, thank you so much, Dr. Corey. That was very informative. Welcome, Stephanie, again. Um, Stephanie, uh, do you have some things that you'd like to lean in on right now as, you know, as far as the marriage and family therapist perspective is concerned on how you've guided families, any suggestions or ideas around guiding families in these discussions um, from that perspective? Yeah, I know that sometimes this can be a scary topic for parents and caregivers, um, because we have our own beliefs and our own biases that we need to deal with ourselves. And we, you know, just like Dr. Corey said, we want to be open to what our kids are coming to us with. And so if a kid is wanting to explore another religion or spiritual practice that you don't practice, that can be kind of scary. Um, but always having an open heart and open mind will do you good because as humans, we're curious. It's just natural to be curious. And when we forbid something and shut something down, kids are going to, you're going to be more curious and want to find out what's going on. So even if you may not practice that religion, it's good to go at it with some curiosity with your child. Thank you. Thank you. And speaking of that, I just want to talk about the neutrality um, in the slides you talked about maintaining neutrality in these conversations when we're, you know, having these conversations with our children. How do you do that? Um, Stephanie, can you talk about how you do that? Like as a parent, you're, you know, you're in their room, it's, it's difficult. And you just spoke about something that we're also going to touch base on is handling it from the perspective of if a family is one religion, and a child is coming and saying, actually, I believe this new thing, you know, and you may feel that their salvation is at stake, or you may feel like the family is not, the, the outside family is not going to be accepting of your family anymore. There's a lot of things at play here. So um, can you discuss that, how to handle that with neutrality, you know, as like the foundation for that conversation? Sure. I know, like the first thing is, it can be kind of shocking, probably, if you're say a Christian and your child comes and says, now they're exploring um, Judaism or whatever religion, Buddhism. Um, so kind of check your reaction. Um, 
that's hard <laughs> sometimes, but um, being calm and being curious about it, like I said, like, tell me more, why, why are you interested in this and what appeals to you? And I think kids will react in a great way with that because a lot of times we shut them down, not, you know, purposely to be hurtful, but um, because we're trying to guide them as parents. So being curious about why do you, why do you want to explore that religion? And tell me more, like, tell me more is the great phrase for all parents to have in their toolbox. Thank you. I was going to say, as a piggyback on that, I think uh, what Stephanie was sharing about, it's easy in those instances to just sort of reject those, those thoughts, those theories, because like you said, Keisha too, like if you come from say a Christian faith, you're so concerned like about their salvation, right? And who, what parent wouldn't be if that has been, you know, sort of your trajectory. But I think, you know, unearthing, what is this about? Because a lot of times, you know, in the adolescent stage in particular, everything's very peer influenced. It could be that your best friend at school, you know, has recently decided they're gonna be an atheist. And so now because your best friend's an atheist, you wanna be an atheist. Right. And so then you've got to sort of unpack, is this peer influence or is this something that you're truly motivated to want to explore? And I think that it's still good to hold space for that exploration. And we as a family unit, we're still going to be doing this together as a family and, you know, exploring and, and leaning into whatever faith that we do. But you can still hold space for them to sort of because I think there's power in that. I think there's power in you. You may be doing your research. You know, I'm not going to let you join a cult, but you doing your research and seeing, you know, there is some misalignment in what I thought this was going to be and what I actually need in my own individual life. But you, it's the holding space for that. Yes, thank you. That's helpful. That's very helpful. Um, in teaching and guiding our children, can you both discuss? Um, from a parent's perspective, when we're having these conversations, what's the difference between teaching and guiding our children and indoctrinating them inside a religious structure? You take, I feel like you, you I feel like it's on the tip of your tongue. <laughs> uh, well, again, you know, holding space is part of the guiding process. Um, I, this is a very personal experience. Um, and I would never want to say where a parent is indoctrinating because we all have our best, like are trying to do our best. Right. Um, so being open to your children, coming to you with different beliefs and, um, exploring it with them, holding the space, being curious, um, and not just shutting down and saying, no, we, we do this, we do that. And the end of story. Um, I think that starts to become more indoctrinating, but we all have our, our own beliefs that we need to, um, kind of figure out before we start shutting down our kids. I think. I agree. I agree. I was listening to a podcast a couple of weeks back and, um, this was, this was an adult talking about their experience in school. I think I want to say going to Catholic school. And she was just talking about how, 
she believed up until we're going to say 12 or 13 that her family was Catholic, like there were Catholics, right? And she said she didn't find out until they moved that the only reason they were, she was going to Catholic school was that was the best school where they lived. And she was like, once we left that neighborhood or that area, my family, we didn't do church. It was, you know, completely wide open for, you know, how we wanted to sort of explore faith. There was no judgment. Uh, but I bring that up because I think that there, there may be instances of parents who are part of this tough talk and maybe you've, you've, you know, enrolled your kid into a school and there hasn't been any discussion about our faith you know, why, you, why you're here. And I think that could be a conversation, you know, to sort of talk about, you know, where are you getting your teaching? Uh, where, are, where is our community? Is it a faith-based community? And is this something that we believe in? Or is this just, you know, part of just wanting to have you at the best school or be around pe you know, people who you consider to be a, a good people, right? So I think there, there's a conversation starter uh, with where they might be going to school. Gotcha. Thank you. Um, and speaking of our beliefs, um, there is a question here. I'm trying to figure out the right way to frame it because I'm just thinking through beliefs and the truth um, and how all of our beliefs, be beliefs are true for us. And that goes for everyone, no matter what they believe, they are true for them. So is it wrong for parents to teach children things as true, even if we know that you know, other people might not believe that is the truth or like, you know, that word, the truth, this is the truth. And it kind of, when you tell a child that something is the truth, it negates all the other options as lies, if this is the truth. So how, how can you do that without casting some form of judgment or um, a label on other people's religions or, or, or spiritual practices in, in those instances. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. And I was just going to say, I think the language, I believe that works best around spirituality and religion and faith is that of I and taking ownership, right? You know, I believe. I think making very blanketed statements can, can be harmful and it could be dangerous and it could come back to maybe backfire. Um, so yeah, I, think, I, I would say just lead with personal ownership as to what you personally believe. I agree with that. And also I would like to add to that just because someone might believe different and they might have a different truth that doesn't necessarily mean we know their heart. And because they might believe something else, they can still be a good person and they could, we can still be friends with them and have them in our lives. Because sometimes I think you know, kids at a certain age, they're very black and white. They don't know the gray areas. Um, and so we can also cultivate a um, culture of acceptance within our family too, for others that don't believe the exact same way we do. Yeah. And I, I mean, I have my own personal sort of experience with that. I grew up in church. Keisha and I actually grew up in the same church right. out in South Carolina. And I remember in high school having a friend who considered himself to be an atheist um, and we were best friends and that was something that felt very heavy to me to have a best friend who didn't have a relationship with God and I remember us you know praying together and encouraging him gently you know that I, you know I want you to 
have some source of faith. You know, life gets hard. He had come from a divorced, you know, uh, parent family situation like me. And I, I could tell he admired something about me. And the only thing I could think that he admired or saw was this, this sense of faith that I carried, right? And so it's funny now, and I bring up this story because I know that he and I both are from a sort of non-denominational mindset now. But I, I, I think that to Stephanie's point, there was still some camaraderie that he and I were able to share and still share to this day, even though we didn't came, we didn't come from the same spiritual background. We were in different places, you know, at different times. And even now as adults, we're in different places. Uh, but I think there's room, like we were saying earlier, to for, for coexistence uh, with people from, from different faith walks. Thank you for sharing that, Dr. Corey. Um, and speaking of different faith walks, um, is it a good idea for families to purpose, purposefully engage um, their children with talking about other religions that are not their own? Introducing children to, you know, maybe Islam or Hindu or Buddhism, like, is that a, a positive thing to do as a family, even if it's not your belief system? I, I would say yes. And the reason why is I think that while we're having a very specific talk about faith and religion, there is so much to be learned about, you know, um, tolerance and, um, you know, allyship and, you know, just again, being able to coexist with people who don't think or look like you do, right? So I think there's a bigger conversation to be had and spirituality and faith is just one angle, you know, through which you can have that, that bigger, broad um, conversation. Stephanie, do you have anything to add to that? No, I totally agree. Uh, I think it's, I mean, I, I know it's not the same in every school, but I grew up in middle school learning about Islam and Judaism from a Christian community. So, and we learned, and in college, I took an Eastern religions class and stuff. And it just broadened my view, gave me more compassion and empathy for others in the world. Um, and so I don't think it would ever be hurtful to learn about others. That's helpful. Thank you. Thank you so much. Um, and then when we're dealing with the politics of things, and sometimes we get into areas where there are some levels of perhaps extremism or things that could be labeled as cultish and things like that, how do we engage in conversations about those types of more extreme context in regards to religion when we're discussing things like this openly with children also still maintaining that neutrality and not casting judgment but also knowing that there are certain things that we should perhaps protect our children from as it pertains to religion and spiritual practices well and i have to say this wasn't a way in which i was reared but the psychologist in me now knows the importance of really assessing the pros and cons of everything. And I think part of remaining neutral and, and, and having sort of that theme of neutrality in your family is, is, is as your kids are asking questions and they want to explore, to present the truth, you know, or, or, or what you found in terms of, of research to back where this is going. Right, you know, so that they can see for themselves, and I, be, I believe that what you're able to do in those moments is instill this sense of critical thinking, 
Um, again, we're having a very specific conversation, but there's some broader opportunities that are coming up as we talk about faith and spirituality. Yeah, that's a good point that it isn't just about the religion or the spirituality. It has a big broader sense of building um, great characteristics in our children. Um, and like you said, you can also refer back to, well, I believe this and this group is believing X, Y, Z. Um, and what do you think about that? What do you think about how they believe versus what you might believe? And, you know, we don't need to dumb down everything for our kids, but I mean, some things we might need to make age appropriate, but we don't need to talk to them like they don't understand that maybe we're different. And I think, you know, just talking about certain implications of things, you know, if you, if you go a certain place, um, and again, big, broader conversation, I know we're talking about spirituality and faith, but you could be judged in this particular environment, you know, you could be putting yourself in danger by voicing your thoughts, your beliefs here, where over here, you might be safe. So I think, again, just presenting the realities, and some of those realities are harsh, but I think we, we owe it to, to our children to, to give them the truth of what's really going on in the world. All right, thank you. Thank you both, so helpful. And I'm just gonna, um, I was tracking back to my own childhood. Uh, Dr. Corey mentioned that we went to church together. And I was thinking about like just in religion, in, in my Christian faith, you know, some things that definitely as a child, um, I think that I would have benefited from an adult talking through with me at the time. And I'll, I'll tell you some things that I was definitely afraid of. One thing that I was definitely afraid of was the Holy Ghost. I was, I, one time I asked my aunt, I said, what's the Holy Ghost? And she said, her answer was, it sometimes it just comes all over you. <laughs> so I was, I remember being a little girl in church, like looking at my arm, wondering if it was just going to fly up, you know, like, and have the Holy Ghost, you know, like that type of thing. Or like the fear of hell, you know, like one day our pastor used to say, one day it's all going to be over down here. That is scary. You know, I had a very, I still have a very large imagination. And so I, I would think like, okay, is it Friday? Because, <laughs> you know, you know, I hope it's not, but if it is, what do I need to do to get ready? Like that type of thing, you know? So how, like a lot of, a lot of religions and as we share religious stories with our children have a lot of concepts that can create fear really. Um, and definitely some feelings of anxiety or nervousness and, um, Dr. Corey, you went through the different stages of religion. Um, how can we ensure that we are responsibly teaching these themes in, in ways that are like truly careful of our children's spirits and their imaginations and, um, and their ability to really um, understand the subject matter without doing harm? Yeah, this, this is such a layered one. I, I hope that if, if parents, uh, you know, participating tonight, don't take anything else away from this tough talk. I hope that you will lean into your own thoughts, attitudes, uh, behaviors as it relates to faith and spirituality and religion. And I, I think your example, Keisha, is so great. You know, how much of what we were taught coming up in church and, and even beyond church was just things that you heard. And so now we have this generation after generation of things being passed down. 
And now we've just sort of created this energy of fear where there doesn't need to be fear, right? And it's all tied to the power of words and how we and how we have um, these conversations. Uh, but I really think it's important to broaden your vocabulary, uh, to broaden your your knowledge around faith. You know, I think you know the Holy Ghost example is is such a great one. We have to talk about the connection between just being overwhelmed emotionally. You know, being able to have a conversation with your child that, you know, people are coming to church. Many of them, you know, are coming from, you know, broken marriages, um, again, financial uh, woes. Maybe they just lost a loved one. And so within the, the, the walls of the church, sometimes people get emotionally overwhelmed and that causes them to sometimes yell out. Um, you know, and just get real with them about what's happening and not leave this sort of mystery, you know, scary movie idea planted in their mind, you know? I think we have to, we have to just broaden our own language and, and how we approach these conversations with our kids so that we don't scare them. That's right, thank you. Do you have anything to add to that, Stephanie? Um, I would say don't be afraid to go to your spiritual leader or religious leader and ask them to help explain it to you or to your kids um, because they probably most likely have had this conversation before with other children and might be able to explain it a little bit easier than you. I know like in the Christian faith, like, oh my gosh, the Jesus's crucifixion, that is scary that is very scary. <laughs> and how do you tell it to, you know, a six-year-old without them being frightened? And I, I'm sure your pastor, a rabbi, not for Jesus, but like, you know, all these other stories within these religions, um, they can probably be helpful and a good tool for you. And I would say too, um, you know, voice those types of concerns to your pastor or whoever your spiritual leader is. Say, you know what? I think I have some childhood trauma as it relates to the church that I don't want passed down to my child. So I would love for you to have a conversation with them through this lens of, you know, not projecting fear onto them. So just just be honest and transparent and vulnerable with your, your spiritual leaders if you want them to have those conversations with your kids. Thank you. And thank you both. And um, Stephanie, I heard like a ding, ding, ding when you said to go to your spiritual um, leader at the, at the church or congregation you attend and ask for help. And that's one of the things that I think is so important that we do ask for help and identify uh, folks in the community who can help guide us that we're not doing this alone. You know, um, it's a lot to try to take on on our own. Um, from um, Stephanie, from a marriage and family therapist perspective, when you um, are working with children and families with issues like this, are there any um, common themes that come up or common um, suggestions that you find yourself giving as it relates to speaking on religion specifically? Um, I do, like we kind of touched on before, there are a lot of adults with some kind of religious trauma and they, it might be scary for them, they want to pass on this faith in um, their religion onto their children, but they are frightened about the religious trauma aspect of it. Um, so that is one kind of theme that comes up and just wanting, being, like I said before, being afraid to talk about another religion opposite or different from your own. Um, but like I've said before, 
being open, holding the space, being curious as to, well, where did you learn about that? And tell me more, why is that interesting to you? And doing research together on it. There's lots of different um, YouTube videos of kids talking about different faiths. Um, There's lots of books exploring different religions around the world from a child's lens. And you might learn something too, if you're exploring this with them. And that that's always fun to learn together. Thank you. Thank you so much for that. Um, can we talk about family for a little bit? Um, this, you know, this is definitely one of those topics that could get really heated when you're including maybe grandparents, aunts, uncles, cousins. Um, and this is like, you know, you have your family unit, you may be doing it right and having these great conversations in your household. Here we come holidays. You know, we have Thanksgiving around the corner and then we have all the December holidays coming right after that. How, when we're dealing with sensitive topics like this, how can we respect our family members, um, especially our family members who are older than us and, you know, our grands and our older aunts and uncles um, in conversations like this when they, they may have a vested interest in making sure your children believe a certain way or they may have a vested interest in making sure that you teach certain things just like they taught them to you um, as far as like these familial patterns are concerned. How can we handle this delicately and respectfully in our group families and our extended families? I think we also kind of touched on this. Um, a good technique is saying, you know, grandma believes this. And we, I believe this, what do you believe? They might, you know, and always reflecting back to them, like you believe that I need to be baptized or that I need to do X, Y, Z. Um, and you don't, nobody wants conflict around the holidays, right? So uh, just reflecting back what they're saying to you, sometimes that will appease them. And then you can have a conversation with your child be like, okay, grandma believes this. I believe such. You can believe whatever you want to believe um, if that's your perspective as a parent. Um, that's the easiest way, I think. Yeah, and I would say, again, I think it's an opportunity to be able to be a role model for your kids in terms of duality you know, and, and being able to coexist. And what I mean by that, you know, maybe you do have grandparents that come very much from that traditional background of, you know, we pray for everything, right? And there's nothing wrong with that. And maybe this is an opportunity to introduce them or at least share with them that, you know, grandma, granddad, you know, I've started meditating, you know, how you guys pray, pray. this is like a form of prayer for me, right? So you, this is a teaching moment for older generations, I think too, right? Because I'm a firm believer that, you know, oftentimes we're just sort of repeating things that we know, we repeat things that feel good to us, but it doesn't necessarily mean that like your grandmother or grandfather wouldn't be open to at least hearing some of your spiritual practices as well. So, you know, you're not dismissing them. Um, you're still honoring whatever their faith practices are, but you're also inviting them into some of the things that work for you. You know, I think that my grandparents would have benefited from some of the stress and anxiety that they dealt with when they were younger, had they known about say meditation, 
you know? So I think there's an opportunity. We, we, we go into all of these things so afraid and, you know, no, not everybody's going to be open and inviting to the way that we might practice our faith, but don't let that be a deterrent, you know, don't let the fear be a deterrent from inviting them into some of the things that you're doing. Thank you for saying that. And I, and I think that's important too, like the integrity of our belief structures in our households um, and feeling like you just touched on that, feeling like it's safe to say to, you know, your grand or your aunt, like we meditate here at our house and that's okay. And this is something that we do. And we invite you to that, um, to that process and to learn more about that with us. I mean, that takes a lot. I know that some people would never do that, you know, we we'll probably can have a conversation about how to get to that point, <laughs> you know, if, if that's something that you, you feel afraid to bring up for sure. Um, the clip that you shared, Dr. Corey, with Deepak Chopra doing the, the stop method um, to take a moment. And, and the, my favorite part was um, the O was for, um, was it O that was cover your body or imagine your body in sm with smiles all over? What was it exactly? I can't remember verbatim. I think you're close. <laughs> okay. Okay. Yeah. Imagine that you're basically covered in smiles as you go forward. So um, I think that is really helpful. And you just said it. You said you feel like some family members would have benefited from having some spiritual practices that were not necessarily rooted in religion, but rooted in just mindfulness um, and spiritual focus. And that's so, that's so important and that's so helpful. Um, both of you touched on the respect part over and over again. You talked, you both talked about respecting everyone's beliefs and respecting where each person is coming from and owning your own belief um, system. And I, that is so important. Thank you for that. You said it so many times. We are um, nearing the end and, um, and I want to make sure that I just take time to give both of you a chance to just like, if there's anything that you feel like our family should take away from this conversation, like something that's like, you know what, if anything, this, if anything you hear, hear this. Um, if you could both just lean in on that for a few, mo for a few moments. Um, I would say, you know, if anything, be open um, and, you know, control any gut reactions. Um, Cause you, your kid will thank you for it. You're, family member will thank you for it, for just allowing that space. And I think Dr. Corey talked about that as well. Yeah, like I said, you know, in one of my slides earlier, I think the, the main goal I hope um, parents will sort of lean into is balance, right? You know, we're, we are not in any way suggest, suggesting to you to completely take your hands off and just all right, well, whatever, you know, faith, religion, whatever, you know, just go about it on your own. No, no, no. We're saying like still be having the conversations, you know, talk about not only just maybe your your practices around faith, but talk, talk about where you've struggled. You know, I think sometimes we um, we feel like we're protecting our kids by not uh, telling them about some of the things that we may have struggled with. But if you can think back and call upon your adolescence, what were some things you wish, Keisha, you talked about this earlier, what were some things you wish some adult would have had a conversation with you about? Because sometimes as children, 
you know, we don't know the words. We can't quite articulate what it is that we might want to say or ask. But you as the adult sort of taking the lead, not every time, but sometimes to be like, you know, I remember when I was in high school and there was a group of girls who, you know, they started talking about, you know, uh, the, the book of Quran and, you know, and I was like, well, what is that about? You know, have those very real life explorative moments with your kids to, to show them, again, that critical thinking about, yeah, people come into your life from all different walks of life all the time. And we can, we can uh, you know, have different beliefs. We can have different places we go to church and still create a sense of community and understanding with each other. Um, so yeah, just, I would say just balance, guidance, as well as giving them some freedom. Yes, thank you both. Stephanie, you said stay open, stay open. That's so important. And Dr. Corey, stay balanced. And um, that will be our charge. Um, also, um, I'd love to hear from you for, with any resources that you can recommend. Are there books or websites or um, you had Deepak Chopra's clip there. You said he worked with children. Like, are there links for that? Like, we'd love to um, share any resources you have with our families. Say, you know, I shared common sense media for sure. If you're looking for faith based movies, and again, I just want to emphasize we know that not everyone that's part of tonight's tough talk is from a Christian faith, and so I think common sense does a really good job of just giving you a diverse um, or you know, an array of different faith based movies. And again, we're not saying just sit them down in front of the, the, the movie and go, we're saying sit down with them and watch those movies and, and read these books and see where the conversation goes, right? Be open to where the conversation goes. Yeah, and I can recommend um, some books that um, talk about a variety of religions. If like kids like interested, they've heard, you know, one kid talk about um, Ramadan, another one talk about Passover, what, whatever. Um, so this one is um, about comparative religions around the world. And it's for about 12 to 15 year olds, but you could still read it with younger children. Um, and I'll give the world explorers that information as well. And then there's another um, world religions one that's geared for a little bit younger kids. And I've also found a great article on pbs.org um, on the 10 commandments of talking to your kids about religion. And that comes from a non-religious viewpoint as a parent. Um, and so those are some great resources for you. Thank you. Thank you both. Um, we uh, are coming to a close this evening. Dr. Corey, thank you. You've This is November now. You've been with us every Tough Talk Tuesday. Um, so thank you. This has been wildly helpful. Thank you so much. Stephanie, thank you for joining us this evening. We hope to have you back again for sure. Here, we believe it takes a village. And these Tough Talks are important for us because we know how important it is to have these foundational conversations with our children to guide them and to be the best adults that we can help them be. Um, so thank you for leaning in with us this evening. It's so helpful to have people who are ready to help us with our families. Thank you so much. We are signing off this evening. Again, my name is Kisha Edwards-Gansey. I'm one of the co-founders of World Explorers Group. And I thank you for joining us for our Tough Talk Tuesday. Y'all have a good night. Remember, you are your child's most influential role model. As they seek to form their individual identities, you influence their attitudes, behavior, 
values, the way they coexist with others, as well as how they choose to love and honor who they uniquely are. Yes, we know, it's quite the tall order. But guess what? You don't have to do it alone. We're all figuring it out one day at a time together. Until next time, live, laugh, go explore. Thank you.